0: Both hours of the show are available each week on this podcast and are streamed to our affiliates across the state of Michigan. We're also proud to be part of Detroit's newest and fastest growing podcast network, PodcastDetroit.com. And now, here are your hosts with this week's Internet
1: Advisor.
0: great one lined up for you today, especially for those of you who have longed to get a better internet signal into maybe your rural community or into urban communities that haven't got those real strong signals. We're going to be talking with Adam Longwell, who is the executive director of MetaMesh in Pittsburgh, about how they're handling that problem. And we've got another hour of answering your questions coming up. Well, my co-captain today is Mr. Ed Rudell, because... Our Captain Bly, (laughs) Mr. Gary Baker, is off sailing again. Is he? Yes, he's looking for his... a matter of fact, he's hopefully coming back with a boat. Or at least trying to pick a boat. (laughs) It's not a boat, it's a ship. (laughs) It is. It is a ship. It's enormous. No. Gary is down in uh, the Caribbean right now and will hopefully be back with us uh, this next week. Although we're going to have to start using the Internet a little more creatively, I believe, and somebody who's going to help us with that, I hope, in the future will be Sherry Cam, who's in studio with us. Hi, Sherry. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing really well. Thank you.
0: Sherry is uh, the uh, president and CEO of Cam Consulting, a PR agency, but she's also our uh, expert on the Internet, on social media. And you have been doing a lot with that over the years, consulting with your clients as well. Mm-hmm. And what we hope to do, by the way, sometime in the near future is to have you help us get hooked up with um, Facebook. Um, what's it called? It's the Live? video. Facebook yep, Live. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. I think it's a great idea. Um, it seems to draw a lot of attention in a short amount of time, uh, and it does get people to understand what the workings of, you know, a radio station. We don't see each other. We just know that we have personalities and voices, and so we try to convey as much as we can. But the visual really does seem to garner a lot of, of people's interest.
0: Yeah, and every now and then we hold something up to the microphone and say, look at this! <laughs> and we had that with the, with the drone that... Uh, um... Rick, I think uh, Rick Breider brought in. Remember that one time? Yeah. Yep,
3: yep. We were all flying around the drone. Oh. we had a, we had a posted online for him. The, and for in people. between the commercial thing. breaks is the best. I mean, we have a great time. That's true. We, uh, you know, with our with some of our guests during the commercial <laughs> breaks as well. <laughs> oh, so, well, and we I'm always working well. on someone's computer during the commercial. Breaks. Uh, <laughs> yes, I had a device to work
0: on right now. <laughs> uh, and uh, well, let's let's. Uh, one of the things that came up this week that you passed on to me uh, that I found fascinating. <laughs> Is the notion of using light
3: waves to um, share the internet? What would it say? Well, you know, a wireless. Well, because right now we're using the consumer wireless uh, frequencies that have been granted. You know, the 900 megahertz to the 5.4 gigahertz. That's all consumer microwaves, cordless phones, everything that we have in our household. If it uh, um, has to adhere to those frequency ranges, uh, well, we, we don't want to
0: Wi-Fi. That's just well, Wi-Fi. The umbrella. Right. What's
3: your but imagine, remember years ago, we used to have infrared devices. I mean, I used to have a Palm Pilot and my phones, yes. and I could print directly to any printer that had, or I could, um, uh, any printer that had out infrared receptor, I could That's print right. to it. And then I could ex- actually exchange um, business cards with people or copy files over infrared. Most of that now is gone. You you, you can't find infrared on laptops or phones anymore. And a lot of phones now are com- coming up with near-field communications or and NFC. We'll, see, right? well, what these, what this one person's doing is thinking about using infrared, which is still going to be line of sight, mm-hmm. um, which would be probably 100 times faster than any wireless transmission medium we have right now. 40 gigabytes a second. Yeah.
2: That's rapid. <laughs>
0: That's a lot of speed. Right. And never overloaded. That's the title of the article.
3: But it's, think of it though; it's going to be line of sight, and it's five years away, and it's by Doctor Joanne O. Oh, is it's her thesis for her doctorate's right, degree? Right, it's, and,
0: it's a Dutch university, I think. Yeah, yeah.
3: it's uh, yeah, it's fascinating to see where this will go.
0: The article is a fascinating well, but you said five years is what they say is the time that they're going to be.
3: You know, and like I said, we we are in the uh, um, you know the five point four gigahertz frequency range. Infrared is in the um, 200 terahertz frequency range wow which is uh you know invisible of course as well mm-hmm. but um, yeah <laughs> incredibly and, and it's uh apparently you can beam the light anywhere
0: and it'd be picked up anyway folks it's a fascinating we'll post the article for those of you who want to try to read it it's it's a lot of technology uh and it's kind of complicated but the interesting thing is the notion that it could be allowing us to be able to plug into data streams that are just beyond our wildest imagination
3: right because think about it we were uh talking about uh wireless networks in the 90s and in the 2000s and and we were also talking about mesh networks too yep. that really really hasn't gone anywhere but there are some isolated islands where that's coming up
0: and we're going to be talking to somebody on one of those isolated islands oh excellent as our guest today yeah we're going to be talking about adam longwell He's the executive director of metamesh Wireless Communities, and they're in Pittsburgh, where they've got lots of Carrie, uh, Sherry, Pardon me, uh, they've got lots of uh, hills and and valleys, and it's hard to get a straight line of anything there.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I've been I've driven through, and and actually had many of my calls just drop off entirely. Right. Um, and so it is. It's, it's difficult to keep it continuous.
0: You were saying that in New York, you mm-hmm. have that same problem of when you're walking down New York, but because there, of the buildings.
2: Yes. Yes, those big cinder block buildings uh, interfere with all sorts of signals. Um, And so they, too, are trying to find a citywide solution. Um, And they had spoken a little bit about this. um, And then they, of course, had a municipal uh, uh, program go through um, and... uh, trying to get it onto each of the buildings so that you don't lose any of them. But it's, it's yeah. you know, it's it's building by building at it, that it, point.
3: It, it is. I mean, uh, at the Rensen, we have the difficulty uh, there because we're on, on an international border. Mm-hmm. So our Verizon oh, yeah. signals plummet, plummet to nothing right at Jefferson Avenue. Yes. So the entire thing has to be rewired oh, with repeaters That's through it. That's right. And, and, but Rogers has no problem spilling over our side of the, <laughs> the uh, sorry folks, we don't Detroit mean to River. speak
0: badly of our Canadian neighbors to the South.
2: No, exactly. But they do, they kind of they hijack do. The, the signal yeah. uh, they do
3: that on the east side
0: of they town do.
2: in they the gross points do. you find that too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: So it is, it is quite an expense to, to outfit all these individual buildings with the repeaters necessary to, it is. Yeah.
0: Well, we're going, to be caught. we're going to see what the solution is that they've come up with in Pittsburgh. And by the way, this, I think, is also a solution uh, that people would hope to see in rural areas mm-hmm. where you can maybe get, uh, I'm thinking going up north, we've got a, a, a strong backbone that goes up the state to the bridge. But then getting that signal out into the other communities you know, as you go up becomes difficult to continue to spread that internet signal to places like, you know, Rogers City and some of the other ones that are up there Mm -hmm. off the signal. Okay, we're going to come back and talk about that mesh network and be talking about this uh, creative way of dealing with getting the internet into areas where it's not really that accessible. Adam Longwell, our guest, we'll be back with that in just a moment here on The Internet Advisor. We have a bit of a challenge this afternoon, it seems. The people in <laughs> and the, and the Mesh Network are not connecting with us right now. We're going to keep on working on that and see if we can get them back with us this afternoon. In the meantime, Sherry, uh, we've, we're delighted to have you in, too, because we haven't had a chance to talk with you for a long time about the Internet, especially as social media, and some of the ways in which people are connecting uh, creatively with it. And mm-hmm. one of the ways, and and with the recent battle over the um, Medicare system the ACA the Affordable Care Act yes it brought up then the the need for getting in touch with your congress people uh,
2: absolutely absolutely yes um, and uh, we we like to commonly or colloquially refer to it as a uh, pocket democracy in um, in trying to find a way to connect directly to to our lawmakers, um, and it, some of these apps that are coming out are ma- are making it just a lot easier.
3: So these apps are different than um, you know, you know, t- just just tweeting out there into the sphere, <laughs>
2: right? And just right. seeing
3: who's going to listen and subscribe to you,
2: right? And and we all want that dialogue, you know, when we're talking about uh, our politics or what it is we want, um, and we even connect with a lot of our legislators, both from our states and on a national level, on Twitter, on Facebook so that we can give some of that feedback. However, if you really want your voice to be counted, if you really want your voice to be heard, you actually have to connect with somebody in one of their offices. And a lot of these apps are actually doing that.
3: Really? I mean, so uh, that was the one thing. So here someone develops an application, but uh, how do you know it's actually getting to where you're, what the destination is? How do you know someone's actually reading or, or partaking if
2: Surprisingly, um, and especially with, with all of the legislation, either repeals or inactions that have, have been going on, uh, most offices have been overwhelmed, right? Yeah. And and so getting through, you either get a busy signal or you have to leave a message. Um, and you're right. Does it count? Do I connect? Well, eventually, you, you are going to start getting letters back from some of these apps that you actually use. And so you know from that perspective that it has been received. Um, so you, you do get to talk to to your, your legislators. Excellent. Yes. Yeah,
3: because that's the one thing, you, you, you know, who do you not only voice your opinion to, mm-hmm. but uh, you, you also try to want to, you want to find like-minded people, mm-hmm. but then at the also time, you also want to find people that aren't like-minded that you can have an intelligent conversation with and discussion.
2: Right. And so, to open that up. And to lot. open up, yes. Yeah. Um, and so uh, one of, uh, there, there have been apps around for a long time. Mm. Um, and one of which is just Congress. Um, and I think it's called My Congress. Uh, and that's just a database. And so you can go in and actually word search or search by any one of the bills that are up. Um, it will tell you if it's gone to committee. It'll tell you if it's been on in a vote. It'll tell you if it's been referred back to committee. Mm-hmm. It'll tell you all the actions that are down there. Now, understanding that it's a thick read, though. Oh, know, I that's, bet. That's not an easy read. <laughs> However, if you really just needed to get to the meat or the language of, of a bill, I would recommend that.
3: And it's called Congress or My Congress?
2: Yeah, it's called Congress. Okay. Congress.com. Um, and oh, so then, this is a
3: website, not an application. No, it's an app. It oh, is. Oh, okay. Yep. And it's called .com. Okay. Yeah, it does. Because we're still stuck in that moment. Okay, I know. Okay. And,
2: and I don't understand it because, truthfully, wouldn't it be .gov? Uh, I mean, you would think... Yeah, uh, But um, the nice thing is that it's not interpreted. It is just the legislation. It really is just how the bills are coming through and what the votes are and, and then finally roll calls and then right. the final vote. Um, but, uh, you know, coming out of <clears throat> this last election, we had a rather executive action happy President, um, and he was threatening to take away monies either from universities or cities who wanted to be sanctioned. Mm-hmm. Cities, uh, and well, including radio stations. Oh, so the including entire, radio stations, yeah, absolutely, public radio. And so, my alma mater, uh, you know, two students over at UC Berkeley, undergrads, not grad students, mm-hmm. um, were really trying to defend UC Berkeley because he was threatening to take away their money. Right. and so they created a logarithm that checked that that uh, White House website. Anytime anything changed, and so it's called presidential actions. And so anytime he he enacted anything, you know, all of those those mm-hmm. uh, executive orders, it changed on the website. And so it would force out any of the information. Uh, and so it's it's an interesting app, right? Um, but not my favorite, right? Um, and and there is another one I'm going to tell you about, which is Voter. It's called Voter, and it is the Tinder for politics. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. You swipe right to agree, and you swipe left uh, to disagree. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean that that's really what it is. It's mm-hmm. not it's not that you're dating, you know, on the app itself. <laughs> um, although you may feel like that sometimes uh, for the number of times that you're calling your your lawmaker these days. Um, but uh, it, it the it, you take an initial survey, and it's it's a great app to find people who are like-minded, like you said. Um, it's one where you can, you can gather people kind of in a social way and talk about those, those things. Um, and then you can finally um, uh, post your views, but it's anonymously, right? So you're not really there talking to anybody. You're not really there connecting to your, your congressperson. Um, the uh, the the other one that I love and the one that I've been using um, is called, uh, no, 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 not that one, uh, <laughs> Countable. Here we go. Sorry, I just couldn't remember the name of it. Oh,
0: Countable. Yes, okay.
2: Countable. And this is my favorite piece. Um, it does summarize all of the legislation that is up for vote. And it does, if you, if you set it up right, you can get a push for anything that's supposed to be enacted in, in DC. Um, now, the summaries are written by journalists. They're not written by lay people, and they're not written by people who are going to step back with a bias, or hopefully not yeah. too much of a bias. Yeah. Um, but it also has a place where if you want more information, you can cl- click on it and go to the actual writing of, of the bill itself. Um, however, you can go through and vote the way that you would want to have your lawmakers vote, whether it's a senator or a congressperson. Mm. And you can let them know how you feel on every single one of these topics. And it does go to them. So you can also have a dialogue with them. You can also uh, have it pushed to you anytime they vote on anything, which is amazing. Um, So it's all in real time that this can actually happen. And then there are options to go directly to their email and just...
0: Now this site is called what again? Countable. Countable. Yes, C O U N
2: T A B L E, and it's an app.
3: It's an app. Not
0: a oh, website. What's an app? Yeah. Wow.
2: Oh yeah. So when we're talking about you know pocket democracy, we're we're talking about just being able to connect on our phones. Because I love that term, pocket yeah. democracy.
0: <laughs> I can't take credit
2: for it. The Verge actually wrote it. So, I, but it, but it's very catchy, you know, and it, yes. and it really does tell us what we do. I mean, we we take tests on our our. Our phones these days, or on our tablets, we interact on emails, you know, correspondence. We we do project on them. So, having that ability to talk from from your phone, right, to w- your you know,
3: I, is, is I, I right. would like to be an eighth grade teacher, or mm-hmm. a, and have students put this on their, mm-hmm. you know, on their phones, yes. and just to see because you know. I, one thing I hated—I'm sorry—I should have said eighth grade government teacher. Yes, yes, <laughs> um, yes. because I still remember my eighth grade government, and, and he was also the football coach. Okay, and he th- he he shoved government down our throats, oh, and yeah. oh, and um, we yes.
2: Well, and we even uh, simulated when I was in eighth grade. We even simulated. Um, uh, <clears throat> electing a, a a president, right? And uh-huh. it was it was one of our students. Yeah. But we we held Congress. We had caucuses. We had primaries. We yeah. had and, and they had to have a platform. And you know we we eventually got to the conventions. And you know it was a really big deal. Wow.
0: So well, yeah. we've been talking. By the way, excuse me, just for a moment because we take a break in just a second here, and we've been talking about. Pocket Democracy, and uh, Sherry Cam has got—what we're going to do is we're going to post this information Mm -hmm. for you on our website, internetadvisor.net, after the show, to make sure that you can get to it. So don't try to go off the road and and (laughs) write this down, but we can make it—let's take a break. Um, and when we come back after our, the, these messages, we'll recap some of these things for mm-hmm. people And uh, on the pocket democracy. And hopefully, we'll be able to make our connection with Adam Longwell from uh, Pittsburgh and the MeshNet folks down there. Barring that, we'll be back to talk some more about social media. And it's giving us an avenue into making our voices heard both in Washington, D.C. and in our state capitals as well. Welcome back. It's the Internet Advisor, Foster Brown, and Ed Rudell, and Sherry Kammer in studio with me here today. As we're talking about, uh, first of all, this last segment, Sherry, you were talking about um, making your voice heard, both in Washington D. and Washington D.C. in particular, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. With a, there's an application you called countable.
2: I did, yes.
0: And yes. that is, uh, you can download that anywhere on the, net, and it's simply C-O-U-N-T-A-B-L-E. Correct. Countable. Mm-hmm. So Google for that. We will have those links up online, but it allows you, as you said uh, during the break, the, the key here is you get in before the votes are taken.
2: Right, And right. you
0: can make your yourself known at that point.
2: Yes, because some constituents have, have avoided their home base uh, when they're on their break, when they're supposed to be talking to their, their constituents, whether it be for uh, a town hall or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, an assembly or some sort of speaking opportunity, um, when it's come to something that's rather unpopular, they have come to really avoid and and talk to the echo chamber of only supporters.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. Okay. Matter of fact, you said, I think it was a, uh, a senator from... Pittsburgh was it that you said? That it's got... from
2: Pennsylvania. I'm trying to remember his name, and it's not coming to me right away, but he was overwhelmed with 500,000 phone oh, calls geez. when it came to uh, Betsy DeVos' uh, approval oh. for the um, yeah. Secretary of Education. People so.
0: were able to let him know.
2: He was one of the holdouts as an undecided, and oh. I think that's why they really honed in on him and one of the gentlemen from uh, Utah. Uh, and there was another one it was one of the middle states that i'm still not remembering mm-hmm. um but they were hoping to sway one just one republican um so that it would change uh, her her approval and but didn't and they didn't the time. no
0: well, we're, we're glad, by the way, we've made contact with Adam Longwell from MeshNet. Adam, welcome to WJR and the Internet Advisor.
4: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that we made the connection through the MeshNet. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yes, terribly sorry about that.
0: That's right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, MeshNet is interesting because of the the geography of Pittsburgh where you're at right now. Am I right that with all the with all the hills that you have there, it's difficult to get signals through to certain communities. Am I right?
4: Yeah, that's absolutely right. And uh, more flat areas, you're able to um, provide uh, 802.11 wireless internet access mm-hmm. um, much more easily. But because we have so many, so many hills in Pittsburgh, it presents a lot of challenge for doing um, uh, far-reaching uh, internet access or far-reaching wireless ser- internet service providing.
0: Okay. So how does MeshNet And first of all, what is a mesh net and how does it address that problem where you are?
4: Sure. So a mesh network is a style of uh, networking that is more egalitarian. So the current way that we do networking around the world is is very hierarchical. You have uh, home and business customers at the very bottom of the Christmas tree, so to speak. And uh, if they want to send a message to their next door neighbor, they have to send their traffic up a wire, logically up to the, the nearest router, to the router above that, to the router above that, and mm-hmm. down, um, down the same strands of, of Christmas lights again to the uh, uh, to the neighbor who may be on another ISP's network. Mm-hmm. What we do is say, okay, that seems kind of wasteful. That seems kind of inefficient. Why don't we just connect those neighbors directly to each other? Ah. And so we have some technology that allows you to. Um, at a very basic level, in a very basic sense, connect directly across the street. and this is useful in um, when the internet access goes down for one of the providers in the area, but not the other, you can still uh, ah. you can have kind of a, a backup that uh, the internet access from one provider will kind of swash over into your area as long as you're connected wirelessly to your neighbor who has
0: that internet access. So, So what, what does this require in terms of equipment?
4: Very little. Um, we've used off-the-shelf um, consumer or prosumer wireless networking devices that you can find at your local big-box store. Um, MetaMesh has actually gone to China, figuratively. We haven't actually been there, but we, we've gone shopping in China and have found a manufacturer that provides um, very small, very inexpensive uh, wireless routers that we can very easily package into a watertight case and then install outdoors on people's facades here in Pittsburgh. Um, This allows us to create public Wi-Fi and uh, provide some Internet access Hmm. uh, in in the public sphere without having a recurring fee, because the number one reason that public Wi-Fi fails in the United States is that people can't afford it after two years, right? They get the grant, they get the money, they put up the big network, and then two years later... The grant money's run out, they're trying to renew it, and they just don't have the money for the bandwidth or the maintenance.
3: Now, is this infringing upon any user agreements that individuals have with their Internet service provider that they won't, not like resell or, you know?
4: No, not inherently, not by just putting these devices up. Um, but you do need uh, – you do, as a, as a consumer, uh, you know, as a customer for an ISP, it's important that you check your contract uh, and to make sure that you're not infringing on any agreement that you have with your ISP um, because a lot of um, uh, home uh, users will have, you know, a few lines in there stating that they're not allowed to reshare or resell their Internet access. So we we hmm. encourage people to uh, read their contracts and make a decision that that works for them. And um, you know we we're totally okay when someone says, "Hey, I don't really want to share bandwidth, but I like your project." We say, "Hey, that's fine. You can put up a, a, a repeater, and uh, you don't need to be plugged into the internet." But Adam,
0: wouldn't that allow internet? Wouldn't that allow the the, the Ed's, Ed's question was a good one. Wouldn't that allow the cable companies then to essentially shut down your ability to create the mesh?
4: Well, they can 't really shut down the ability to create it because what we 're doing is just putting energy, putting electricity into um, radios and that that automatically find each other and create their own mesh network. What they can do theoretically is be able to either legally or technologically turn off access to these devices. but like I said we 're not in the business of going out and finding. Um, customers and then encouraging mm-hmm. them to break their contracts. In right. fact, we're in the process of uh, finding our own Internet access, uh, um, uh, which I, we uh, announced last month through a fiber network that runs around the state. We've been granted free access to the uh, PenREN network run by the Kinber organization. Okay. And uh, we are able now to begin providing our own bandwidth for free into this network.
0: That seems so that, that, in, that seems to be the key, isn't it, Adam?
4: Yeah, I mean that's definitely the direction that we need to go if we're gonna we're gonna survive as an organization or thrive as an organization. We need to be able to be self sufficient and provide uh, internet access from companies uh, that want to see public internet access uh, thrive.
0: And that's the key. This is public internet access, and it's it's particularly valuable, I would imagine, in the areas where you can't get uh, a good internet signal. It would sound like right. I mean, because earlier, yeah,
3: yes. Yeah, because early on marketed. when they were talking mean, you can you can
4: certainly try to build your own, you know, ISP that, that delivers Internet access through a mesh network, but there are a lot of technological hurdles to that. So we market the this this product or this idea, this network as a solution for public Wi Fi. It's good for low bandwidths in public spaces where there aren't a lot of obstacles okay. and you know, the budget just isn't there. Um Otherwise,
3: right? Because you know, one of the things he's talking about if, is basically just putting a repeater on the outside of your apartment window, so that you can then um, enable that signal to travel that much further into the next person in the next apartment building. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. so um, so what you're doing is you're just uh, putting on an extender if you will. Early on when we were talking, or a repeater, as he said, um, early on when we talked about mesh networks with wireless phones, you always didn't want to be the man in the middle because everyone would be using their wireless through your phone, right? When they were talking mm-hmm. about mesh networks for phone. But in this solution, what you're doing is putting an independent device that will not impact your usage at all, but it's just, it's just repeating the signal for um, free Internet access for everyone.
0: This is happening around the country in different places, isn't it, Adam, besides Pittsburgh?
4: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, we're aware of different networks in, um, let's see, New York. Uh, uh, I know there's one out in uh, Oakland, California. There are a few in Detroit. And um, I think there's a few, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a couple in... Uh, Baltimore and a few uh smaller uh, southern cities
0: we try to get by the way we tried very hard to get in touch with one of the G- Detroit and for right now, at least we are we're not we weren 't able to get them in. I was hoping to have him in on the program today and we 'll do that in the future to talk about how they 're using mesh networking in in neighborhoods here and um it's kind of like the people's solution to this problem of connecting. There's a certain democracy involved in this whole mesh network thing, isn't there?
4: : It is, and and that's kind of how we started the whole project is that we said, oh my god, we have these uh, we have these pieces of technology that cost eighty dollars that we can pick up literally down the street, and if we buy five of them, we can light up you know a small park in the city. Uh, Mm -hmm. for for basically nothing every month. Why aren't we doing this? We have this solution to putting Internet access in a lot of places very inexpensively. Why aren't we doing this? And Mm -hmm. so it just kind of grew from there.
0: And right now you've gone from, uh, uh, you're now a 501c3 nonprofit, right?
4: That's correct. We became a nonprofit in December of 2015. Before that, we were an LLC. Uh, but we've become sophisticated, uh, more sophisticated and, uh, we, we now accept donations and are doing a lot of different projects which you can look at. On metaverse. dot org, and yep. we encourage people to sign up for our mailing list. There, and we'll, we uh, we
0: will post that. As a matter of fact, Adam, as, as well, share you and Sully.
2: Oh, I was I was really just going to ask because we were talking about democracy, and it's been kind of a topic today. Um, regulation is it running? Are you running up against it at all, or are you running up against any of the internet proposals that are coming through Congress as well?
4: The only uh, obstacles that we have come up against have been mounting devices on historic buildings. We need to be very careful about that. Mm. But we're using all uh, you know open source and um, license-free technology. So as long as we stay within the bounds that the FCC has set uh, for broadcast strengths and things like that, then you know we're we're within the law.
0: Mm-hmm. Adam Longwell, thank you so much for being with us. Hey, he is uh, with Meta Mesh, Meta Mesh, it's called, and that's yes. in the Pittsburgh area. You've got 60 locations, I understand, in, around Pittsburgh that you're um, that you're connected to. Am I right?
4: That's correct. And this, and the weather's getting better, so we're going to be <laughs> adding more almost every week.
0: Excellent. Okay. Again, uh, that's Meta Meta org. Am I right? Meta-mesh,
4: yes. MetaMesh Wireless Communities.
0: MetaMesh Wireless Communities is the organization, and uh, Adam Longwell is the executive director. Thanks so much, Adam, for being with us, and we're glad we were able to make this final connection with you.
4: Yes, thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Uh, we're going to try very hard, by the way, folks, to get in touch with the folks in the Detroit area who are doing this. We have not had luck uh, this week in getting connected to them, but uh, I'm fascinated with the whole the whole business of using mesh networking as a way of penetrating communities that are not getting connected to the internet because they're not as lucrative, let's say, right. as some of the other neighbors. Well, that's what Charlie Hopper was doing up in the UP for a while ago. He'd put one of these on a mountaintop and. Exactly. Yeah. Charlie Hopper, our friend, who's been, by the way, about 20 years, he's been doing his work up there as well. We'll be back in just a second with Mr. Mike Brennan and MITech News. It's that time of the broadcast to welcome Mr. Mike Brennan back from a long Irish siesta. Should we call it that, Mike? We have Mike on. Hello, Mike. How you doing, (laughs) Father? Good. You didn't hear my comment about the long Irish siesta, I guess, then, huh? No, no, I heard
5: that. i just not (laughs) sure it's... Partly, uh, well, CSDS in the sense that I drank and I went to sleep. uh, (laughs) um, That's what I was
0: teasing about. You took off last week. We're glad to have you back this week after that little bit of a break.
5: I went up to Grand Rapids and uh, got together with some friends and just to... you just need a break sometimes, you Absolutely, know?
0: So. <laughs> absolutely. You're a hard-working man. One of the hardest-working editors I know. Mike is the editor of MITech News, and uh, we have him on at this time every week to talk about some of the headlines that they cover in MITech News, by the way, which is accessible to you absolutely free of charge, and there's so many things that Mike brings nowadays, not just a written information, but also uh, video and audio resources. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment, and how much would that cost, Mike? Not a thing. That's exactly it. Not a penny. And you and I get to enjoy that for just putting in your email address, and then every week you're delivered this information. Information like, for instance, a headline about the U.S. Senate reviewing plans for changes to drone regulations. What's that about? Yeah,
5: lots of things on the table there. Part of it, the thing that I think is a good idea is to look at integrating the drones into the air service, the national air system, so that uh, as these things proliferate, the folks that are trying to also manage airplanes in the sky know where they're at, what's going on, that sort of thing. So that's one of the things ah, they're looking okay. at. And then another one they're looking at is, right now, drones, you can't fly them past line of sight. You have to be able to see them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, for delivery services like Amazon, they're experimenting with that in the U.K. because there they don't have the line of sight rule. But here in the U.S., we do. So that's another thing they're taking a look at is mm-hmm. uh, should they you – know, with the technology on these really nice drones, I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to spend four figures to get the nicer drones. Yes, But with that technology, can we go past the whole idea of line of sight? And I'm sure Amazon would be very excited about that. Well, we
0: were just, we were just commenting, uh, by the way, during a break, Ed and I were talking about, and Sherry were talking about, drones being used by TV stations now in their yeah. coverage. Um, oh, yeah. And that is going to be, I imagine, stretching some of the boundaries as well.
6: Yeah, yeah,
5: and you still have that line of sight rule, which is really mm. tough. I mean, yep. uh, I mean, how how good are your eyes, right? You know. So,
0: uh, well, I'm, I'm I was, imagining- we'll
5: see what happens. I think there's there's a lot of. Uh, People using drones for a lot of things, including film production. Um, yes. Because they're a lot cheaper than the
0: helicopter shot. Oh, yes. Somebody asked the question of a drone operator, you know, what's this doing to helicopter rates? <laughs> it's going to be dropping them <laughs> drastically because oh, it's, it's an incredibly cheaper well, than. Well, well also the
3: film industry. Yeah, yeah. Think, exactly. think of like the, the um, uh, Gold Rush up north. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that show. And they used to use helicopters all the time to do that. Now they just throw drones in the air and. Yep. And they can take
0: very, very, very good images mm-hmm. up there as well. Uh, yeah. How about uh, this? Is kind of interesting. Maybe, sure, you can come at too. Facebook is adding VR to its timeline. Virtual reality.
5: Well, with a few provisions, you have to have the uh, you have to have the Samsung VR setup. And you have to have It's through the Oculus They acquired Oculus A while back That's right. And so you get 360 degree VR apps If you're using Facebook And if you're using The Samsung Gear VR And a few things like that But it is a starting point mm-hmm. And so And I've seen it already uh, Where you know People are shooting Live stuff And you can essentially Spin it around And you can see Everything 360 degrees So wow. VR is coming And, and this is
0: a good start. Mm, Okay. Um, um, One piece of good news that you reported here, I thought, for an area that has been beaten up liberally, and that is the Flint area. And uh, you're reporting that there's new investment and more jobs coming to Flint, which has got to be good news for them. Yeah,
5: Huntington Bank is putting in a call center in downtown Flint, right across from the University of Michigan-Flint campus. I suspect they probably want to get some students. Um, but it's going to create 60 new jobs, and it's a $5.4 million investment and uh, helped out by by some money that came from the Michigan Strategic Fund, about $450,000, but hey, 60 jobs, you know, what the heck. Hey, um, in
0: Flint, any, any good news? They hang on to real hard.
5: Absolutely, yeah. They they need a break up there.
0: We're talking, by the way, with Mike Brennan, who is the editor of MI Tech News. Mike, I mentioned before, you've added some video to the feeds that you are now offering people as subscribers to MI Tech News.
5: Yeah, quite a bit actually. Uh, we studied this for a while. Uh, Melee Ostale and his team talked me into it, but so I've had to learn all these new tricks because <laughs> in the beginning I'm shooting at all the stuff and editing it because I'd have to be able to really understand it. Uh, then once it gets up and running, I'll build a whole new business around it. But we're already offering it, uh, we shot some really good stuff, uh, out at OU incubator where they're having this big program in about two weeks where, uh, it's called the Innovation Weekend where a bunch of people can come in and really get a lot of help on creating brand-new companies, and it's all free, courtesy of the uh, NEI folks. Uh, so can't beat free, right? Nope. So that's one of the videos we have up there. I have some of my sponsors. We've shot some videos, uh, online tech, for instance, uh,
6: mm-hmm. after
5: the debacle with Amazon Web Services going down shot some stuff with them that where they have it always on service saying, you know, you if you're with us, you wouldn't be down like you would be on AWS. And so we've done lots of stuff like that.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And folks, that's the kind of thing that you're benefiting from as well as a subscriber to MITech News, And it's quite simple. Go to MITechNews.com, put in your email address, and you are going to become one of the many people, thousands of people who are enjoying the content that Mike puts together every week about technology and entrepreneurship in the state of michigan mike thanks so much for being with us and have a great week
5: thanks foster you too
0: all right that's mr mike brennan uh, sherry while we have you in studio we're talking about uh, facebook and i want to if you could talk kind of quickly and we just talked a little bit right now we can maybe talk at the beginning of the next hour about facebook live this new video um mm-hmm. uh, product that facebook is putting out mm-hmm. how do you use that
2: well, socially uh you know you can promote something that you're actually doing, whether it's an opening or a gala or you know a birthday party, whatever it may be, and let people know in the in the week coming up to it um, but but essentially you're walking around or someone else is walking around with their their camera in hand and actually uh broadcasting it live. So if you've got wow. family across the country, they can't come to a yes. big 80-year-old birthday party, mm-hmm. uh, but they want to be there somehow, you can actually broadcast live. Or if you can't make to a concert, you know, that your grandkids oh, yeah. are going to be at.
3: Oh, that's an excellent way. Yeah. Is, this, is this a paid service? You have to pay for this? No, or?
2: no, not at all. No. Really? It's, it's available, yes, as a user. And it, you don't have to be a business user either. Um, although I will say this, the the biggest users of, of Facebook Live are the news um Uh, programs and so bbc live uh is on there um Mm. nbc live is on there you know and and once again are we are we trying to channel to to narrowly you know Mm -hmm. in our in our viewing are we are we trying to go wider in our viewing but uh as events unfold you could actually see them live
3: now uh, Mm. are are they recorded so that you can actually uh, review them later yes
2: Yes okay. and that is that oh. is the, the the great benefit of it now it takes a little while because it it, it does need to be processed sure. um, and so Facebook takes a l- little bit of time as does YouTube
0: how big a chunk can you can you broadcast
2: uh, for as long as you want um, oh. they broadcast a lot of the uh, Senate um, appointments and they broadcast a lot of of uh, the cabinet appointments in the Senate and the arguments that went on and so um, we saw a lot of what went on actually in the Senate chambers.
0: Well, I'm thinking of broadcasting something much simpler. Like, I have a duty in our mm-hmm. family, our extended family, of when we have birthday parties, mm-hmm. when they sing happy birthday, they bring the cake out. And yes. Somebody, I, that's my job is to film that. Oh, outstanding. Oh, so okay. I could use that then.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. So, so... Whether you do it in a family group, right, so then only your family will see it, sure. or if you wanted to do it live for absolutely everyone in the world to see it, you know, <laughs> just depending on where you have your, your privacy settings. Uh, but yes, yes. And so then you document that in, in your Facebook stream. So they
0: would watch that live, but as Ed was asking mm-hmm. the question, it's going to be saved there mm-hmm. so they could come back and view it then later on absolutely. as a saved video. Yeah. So. Uh,
3: do you have the same restrictions or same controls that you do with any with the others on um, in Facebook? I can make this a public viewing or I can make it a private only.
2: You can. Perfect. Yes.
3: So your yes. privacy limitation whatever whatever that limitation is,
2: Very as important. you said it could
0: be a family group yes. and only the family group sees it. We are definitely going to have to do something with this, Ed, for our program. We'll get our smiling faces on camera. We got to do that. Okay. All
3: right. (laughs) I got a GoPro. We can do it. There we go.
0: All right. Thank you so much. Sherry Camp is going to stick around. And with Ed Rudell, we are going to go into our second hour, which is the one where you get to ask the questions and we come up with the answers. 800 859 0957. 800-859-0957 is the number to call. If you get a question, we will do our very best with Ed Rudell and Sherry Cam and myself to find an answer for you. And particularly, if you have a question about social media, we've got Sherry here as a special expert in that area. It'd be a good time to ask that kind of a question. Again, if you have a question about your computer, about anything that's going on with your devices, 800-859-0957. You're listening to a podcast of the Internet Advisor Show. To see the show notes for this program, visit our homepage, theinternetadvisor.net. You'll discover past podcasts, our free toolkit with software to clean up your computer and keep it running strong, and many other resources. You'll also find links to MITechnews.com, our co-sponsored weekly tech and entrepreneur newsletter, edited by Mike Brennan. If you have a question for our hosts, just click the contact button on the homepage and send us an email with the details. And don't forget to look for us on Facebook and Twitter and at Detroit's newest podcast network, podcastdetroit.com. Now let's get back to the second hour of the Internet Advisor. Welcome to hour number two, and that's your hour on the Internet Advisor. What do I mean by that? Well, this is the time when you get to call in with your questions. You set the agenda. And by the way, the only dumb question, this is our mantra, is the one you don't ask. And we want you to ask whatever the questions are that are out there about your computer, about your printer, about your phone, about whatever the device is that you may be working with. And Ed Rudell and Sherry Cam and myself, Foster Brown, are here to answer that question. 800-859-0957. Well, it always takes some brave soul to break the ice here. And uh, ask that first question. And I would encourage you to be that brave soul and get the ball rolling at 800 uh, 859 We've been doing this uh, going on. This is our 20th year that we're involved in doing this. It's amazing to me that yep. that's still going on. Ed Rudell is in studio with us, along with Sherry
3: Cam. Thank you so much, both of you, for being here yep. to help to answer the questions. L- let me prime the pump a little bit. All so right. I had someone at work that basically, they said their sister was having... Uh, difficulty with Windows 10 updating. Oh, and yeah. I, you know, bring it in. I'll take it home. I'll take a look at it. I must have spent six hours on that thing, and I could not, oh, could not get Windows 10 to update from a critical update that was released last October. And I did all the fixes I knew. I went into Microsoft's forums, and I tried a few things. I tried doing the the unit would not let me do a system reset, and which means basically reinstall Windows 10 on top of Windows 10. And that just frustrated the heck out of me. And the reason why is I've run into this problem several times with people that came with a Windows 8 computer. Oh, and then I'll update with to Windows 8.1. Oh, okay, that's fine. Oh, and then you get your free upgrade to Windows 10. There were seven disk partitions on that single hard drive. And not a big deal, but the Windows reset doesn't work when you do that. Unless you take some, um, you know, basically... Hack the registry and tell it which of the restoration partitions you want to use
0: uh-huh. um,
3: and and because the because each operating system has their um own hidden partitions they use, so basically I was able to back up the data and then I tried creating another Windows ten. A USB installation drive. Microsoft provides this utility called the the Media Creation Tool. Mm-hmm. It lets you create DVDs yes. or a USB flash drive. Mm-hmm. But their instructions still say that you only need a four gigabyte hard dr- or flash drive. That's not the case. That was the case oh. last. July, you know, in in 2016, um, or even when it first came out. It now takes 4.7 gig to build a stick, Ah. but their instructions don't tell you that. So
0: an 8 gigabyte stick is the very basics for that. Yes,
3: and then after I did that, and uh, I was able to then build a computer out and get rid of all those darn partitions, but Windows by default, Microsoft's install doesn't by default delete that. It just installs it. You have to go into the custom setup and say, would you delete all this other crap? and then uh, <laughs> all these other disk partitions and uh, all the old Windows installation files that I want to, I just want Windows 10 clean. Um. And because that's all she had was basically Windows 10. She didn't have Office. She just liked her pictures and her Facebook. And, right, right. And... It works like a dream now. It did all the Windows updates. So Windows 10 does work. <laughs> it does. Sure, it, you use Windows 10 too,
0: right? I
2: do, but I have, I have a very similar experience with the upgrades uh, that Ed just related. Um, and in the process of, of trying to get rid of the partitions, um, it lost one of the, and I'm trying to remember what it, it, it lost one of the essential uh, uh, elements to actually uh, reinstall. And so I lost entirely all of Windows 10. Oh, and, and so I was able to back up my information. I didn't lose any of my data, okay, but good. I will say this. I have a brand new hard drive right right, right now. Yeah. Uh, for exactly that reason.
6: Uh-huh. It was it was
2: eating up every bit of of memory I absolutely had. So. Mm.
0: Yes. All right. Well, let's get uh, get to work. Here we've got uh, Mike with us from Wayne. Mike, thank you so much for being on the internet advisor. What's your question?
7: Oh, Thanks for having me. I got uh, I got a question about online gaming through Xbox One.
0: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, now this gets a little uh, gamey nerdy. <laughs>
6: the
7: uh, uh, my son-in-law is having a hard time switching his NAT type so that we can get into the same game lobby.
3: He's having a hard time switching his what, please? Well, NAT type. Oh, NAT, nat type. So network address translation is what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
7: Exactly. So uh, we, we tried to go on to Google and YouTube University, but everything is for the PlayStation. Nothing is telling me how to change a NAT type on an Xbox One.
3: So the NAT type, I'm not sure I understand why you would need it, because a network address translation is something that's provided by your home router or your internet service provider and the router, wireless router they provide you. And and this is where they provide you an address that's 192.168, whatever, or 10.0, whatever. So that's my understanding of what a NAT address is. Why would you need to change that to get into a specific... Um, well, channel. I I
7: think it says that uh, like the NAT type mine is open. Okay, so it'll match make with anybody anytime. Okay, but his is his is set it moderate, which says it may sometimes have a hard time connecting with other players. So you're saying that it's not in the Xbox, but it's probably like the firewall and a router or something.
3: Well, it depends. Now maybe I'm maybe I make jumping to a conclusion when I, when I say NAT is network address translation and that's what we use to all of our home Wi-Fi is, is set up for that. Are, are we all getting NAT addresses? Um, maybe I'm misunderstanding um, or maybe someone else is using the similar technology in reference to gaming. Are you talking about two Xboxes in the same home and you guys are just playing amongst yourselves?
7: No, we're not in the same home or we're not on the same network. He's at his place and
3: I'm at my place.
0: Mm-hmm. Huh gotcha
3: and and so basically your uh, xbox then connects to a a central game and their xbox connects to it and then you're uh usually at that point once you're both logged into that game it should just work and you should see each other
7: yeah that's i mean it it worked that way for a long time but uh i don't know maybe something changed but we looked at the nat type and like i said mine says open and Mm -hmm. the party matching is open and Okay, so Mike, little, on second, second, yeah, Mike,
0: hang on, we're going to go into a break and we'll see if we can noodle, in the in the midst of the break, see if we can noodle some of the solutions for you and come back with them, all right? Thank you very much for calling. The number is 800-859-0957. Earl from Milford will be with you, too. Thank you for your calls. The number is open again, 800-859-0957. And uh, let's go back briefly to Mike from Wayne. Mike, uh, the... Uh, Ed Rudell discussed this with you over the over the phone during the break, and uh, here's what we're going to do because this has to do specifically with the game that you're playing. By the way, what is the game that you're playing that got updated?
7: Oh, it's uh, the new Call of Duty. Uh, uh, it's a remastered version of the original Modern Warfare.
3: Okay, and so and what's happened is is that he can't hook up with his buddy. It worked a little while ago, but then yep. after an update, and then. Uh, Reading online, Mike was saying that people are talking uh, the PlayStation, they know what the fix is, but the Xbox One, he's having difficulty. Okay, so So here's what we're going to do. Some of
0: our listeners... Right. There are listeners out there who play the game. We're going to ask you if you know about a fix for this. And the other thing you can do is to go to our website at internetadvisor.net, and there's a Contact Us button there. You can click on that and send an email and mention Shane Hamlin, Specifically, he is a big gamer, and uh, and a big Microsoft advocate, and so. a big Microsoft advocate. And he'll have more information for you. Okay, Mike.
7: Excellent. I appreciate
0: the help. Right. You're welcome. Thank you and, very
3: much. And I happen to jump to the conclusion that Nat network was relating to wireless. My, that whole five-minute speech I gave was just throw that out the window. Forget about that. Nothing to do with this problem. All right. And to do specifically with the game, the Call of Duty game. Okay, let's go to
0: Earl, who was with us in Milford. Earl, welcome yeah. to the Internet Advisor.
8: Oh, thank you.
0: How can we help you?
8: I've got a wireless printer problem. It It won't print until I shut it off and turn it on again. Okay. I've got Good. an Apple computer.
0: You have an Apple computer. You have a Mac you're working on, right? Yes. Okay. And what is the uh, printer that you're printing to?
8: HP, uh I think it's 8700 Pro.
0: Hmm. And and this is a uh, how how long ago did you get this?
8: Uh ever I just started living in this house so about since November, and it's happened consistently since then.
0: Oh, okay. And the, the problem is what? That you can connect to it
3: wirelessly, and then the connection breaks? Well, he can he, he print to it, but it never prints out until he reboots his computer.
8: Yeah, when I look at my print queue on the laptop, it says it's waiting for the printer.
3: Ah, that really sounds like it's a driver issue. Yeah. Because especially with HP is... Uh, the drivers that they provide, every time you power up your computer, uh, or your either your Mac or your PC, it goes out there and it sniffs the local network for the printer and establishes a connection to it. And uh-huh. why would that not be working?
2: Well, I have an 8700 as well, the HP, because it's a great work it, workhorse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and with my PC, if it goes into... Um, uh, stealth mode right or if, if if the screen goes down, then it loses that connection oh sleep mode yeah, sleep ah. mode, and so that may be part of what it is you you haven 't looked at um, is whether or not your screen has gone black before you 've tried to to print
8: oh yeah, well, when I walk over to the printer, the screen is dark, okay, and, but. It, uh, mm.
3: Now, are you, are you in the habit of always um, just shutting the lid of your laptop or or, or, or your Mac and uh, waking it up and then expecting it to print? I mean, it should. I mean, that's what it's designed to do.
8: Yes, I normally do. I close the lid, yes. I don't shut it off as such, but I do close the lid.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, Earl. Do you, have you ever um, simply uninstalled the printer and then reinstalled it?
8: No, have not
9: tried that. Oh.
0: That is a solution that has been offered, you know, in other words, if you dump that and uh, then reboot your computer and then go looking for add a printer, you can right. go into uh, preferences okay. on your Mac and say add a
3: printer in there. You know, that that's a great point because it may have somewhere stuck in the uh, Mac operating system. It still remembers the old addressing scheme that yep. it, his computer had yep. when he was at his other location. And he said it didn't start until he moved. So removing it... And then, yeah, that that just might work, Foster.
0: We uh, we've had other callers that have, have come in with similar kind of problems, and very often it's a matter of simply erasing it from your computer's memory and then going back and finding it again, and it says, oh, here is an HP 8700 Pro. Let's yeah. connect to that. And reboot after you delete the printer. Yes, reboot. The... Yes, exactly. Yes. Okay. You don't, so you don't have any bits and pieces of the old uh, install in there. And uh, it, it will go looking for it. And then it should install all of the um, the missing drivers and things like that. You're happy okay. with your... It really some... sounds like settings rather than yes, drivers. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're yeah, happy
8: within, with... And that's within the laptop.
3: Yes, on your laptop, right. We're talking about yeah, going go there. In, mm-hmm. Yeah, go into the settings and then on the Mac and then underneath your printers and pre- scanners, I think. Yeah, pre- it's under preferences and then look for printers... And then in that, you can eliminate the uh, the printer. By, there's a little plus and minus there. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Sure. And now,
8: she- would you, the, the lady mentioned the potential for the printer going to sleep. Is that a problem?
2: No, um, it, it, it's all in the timing sometimes uh, because the, mm-hmm. the printer will go to sleep if it doesn't have a signal or if it's not used, um, as will your computer. So just trying to problem solve all along the, the process order just to see where it happens first and where it happens second.
0: Uh Okay. Okay, thank you very much. All right, Harold, thanks so much for your call. Again, the number 800-859-0957. You know, it's interesting. We've had a lot of calls about printers over the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And and one of the ways, I guess, am I right that one of the ways of solving it is simply to plug a USB
3: connection? Yep. Directly into the printer if you're having problems. with Well, with HPs, when you're setting them up, that's one of the things they want you to do on PCs. They don't know about Macs. Is they want you to hook up a USB cable so that it can identify the printer and then program the printer to find the wireless, the current wireless network that it's on. Mm. Right, instead of using the touch panel that's in the front. Um, and he may have to go through that sequence again.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very good. All right. Again, our number is eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven. Please feel free to jump into the conversation. Your question, by the way, can help a whole lot of other people when you ask it. And as we said, the our mantra is the only dumb question is the one you don't ask. Let's go to Fred in Lambertville. Fred, bonjour. Thank you for calling us.
10: Thank you kindly for taking my call.
0: How can we help you?
10: Well. I had purchased a uh, computer, and I uh, took the hard drive down into a shop and had them. Um, um, uh, I had them build me a whole brand new computer with okay. a terabyte hard drive, and my old um, my old operating system was a uh, uh, Windows uh, Seven mm-hmm. and. The fellow asked me if I'd like 7 Ultimate, and I said yes. Okay. And then, uh, back when they were going to switch over from 7 to 10 because they weren't going to support 7 anymore, I got this print from, uh, it'll come up on the screen from Windows, and they said that... uh, You
3: have an unlicensed version? Yes. Mm. Yeah, that was a good friend that did that for you, or a buddy at that shop. So he put an illegal version of Windows Ultimate oh. on there. Oh,
0: uh,
10: okay.
3: My very first computer that, that I had
0: built for myself, the guy did that to me, and I had to take it out to him and say, "Buddy, this is an illegal version. I got to have a legal version." Yeah.
10: Well, he's uh, he's no longer in business. I I tried to go back oh, to
0: boy. him, and oh. he was no longer in
10: business. So. Oh. So because of that, I took the attitude when I was getting these informational blocks from mm-hmm. from Windows. Like, wait a minute, they're just trying to sell me a product or mm-hmm. this or that. You know, mm-hmm. I I put too much confidence in this person, and so uh, I got took. Okay? okay, but they said they would they would. In the beginning, they said that I could get a free copy oh. of 10.
0: Yeah. Yep.
10: On my computer. Yep. And when I tried to download it, it wouldn't come in. And they said, well, I should back it up, back mm-hmm. up what was on my computer for my files and what have you, then download it. Mm
0: hmm. Okay, hey, you know what? Hang on a second. You know, we're we're coming up to a break right now. Hang okay. hang on just a second, okay? And uh, we'll see if we can get you to refine the question a little bit more, okay? And uh, we'll be back with that in just a minute. We're talking with Earl from uh, Lambertville, and uh, we've got Andy from Carlton, and Cal is with us. He's got an answer. I'd like to take a moment to thank Eric Dorsch, who has been a, a hero here this afternoon. He has helped us in so many ways. Eric was our engineer on a regular basis for a long while, and he came back in this afternoon to help. Well, then he got married, and he couldn't be our engineer anymore.
3: (laughs) That's right. But she must have let him out,
0: (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) Eric is in. He's also training somebody brand new. That's Danielle Mason. Danielle, thank you so much for being with us. She will be helping us in the afternoons as well. But, Eric, thank you so much for stepping in. Okay, Fred from Lambertville, let's come back to you for just a moment. Fred, uh, you really got stung. Uh, you went into some place and you were having them build a computer for you and you found out that the operating system they put on for you. Well, he had a
3: computer with Windows 7. And then he went to this guy because he wanted a larger hard drive. And then they said, oh, uh, uh, you know, would you like Windows 7 Ultimate? Mm. And oh, yeah, yeah. But it was illegal. It was an illegal copy. And now we stuck into the, I'm trying to upgrade to Windows 10 for free and it won't let me. And there are a couple different avenues that uh, Fred can go with. He can go to Microsoft's website and download the um, um, Windows Media Creation Tool. That's no, you have, to have to do that on another computer. Uh, you could do it on this computer. Oh, on his computer. Oh okay. well, yeah, any, any computer. And as long as you have an 8-gigabyte USB flash drive, it has to be, it's going to be erased. Okay. Um, and uh, if you run the, the Windows Media Creation Tool, it will download Windows... 10 onto the usb drive and then you have the ability to boot up the computer and install um windows 10 on that computer um using that flash drive using that flash drive whether it's uh illegal or not if it's um hopefully now there's two different ways you can either upgrade the computer at that point and upgrade Mm -hmm. the windows 7 to the windows 10 because you've already downloaded this media yeah probably best and that might be best that way you don't have to copy all your data off and and that might be best Yep. um But if that's where the failure happened before, where you were successful in downloading Windows 10, and then it tried to to update, and then you get that Um, uh oh something happened microsoft famous message and (laughs) it it is uh oh something happened and uh and then it basically undoes itself and restores your uh, computer back to the way it was before Uh so uh, there's two different scenarios if the second happens then the only way you're going to get your computer working is to is to boot up off that flash drive and then erase your contents of everything off of that computer, all your data and everything, and then reinstall Windows. Um, But you'd have to back it off to an external drive. Or the third option is that you could go to Best Buy and pick up a the media itself there, and you can yeah. buy it for one hundred and twenty bu- one hundred nineteen bucks.
0: One hundred and nineteen bucks will cost now,
3: you now. Regardless, because you have an illegal version, or on, uh, it's not you that's illegal, but someone put an illegal version on there. Uh, Microsoft will give you thirty days after you install Windows Ten to register it. So preferably, you could actually after it's you get it up and working, if you're successfully able to upgrade it yourself using the media tool that I talked about. Um, you can then use your PC, and Microsoft says, go to this website, and you can register and type in this uh, your credit card, and we'll give you a license to run Windows 10. Or, like I said, you can go to Best Buy right. and do that as well. We, we've unloaded a lot of information. That's a lot of information. <laughs> yeah, and
0: so here's what I suggest. On On Sunday night, what I do is I post this conversation to the Internet, and you can download that, or you can listen to the answer that uh, Ed came up with there again, or you can simply go to us online at internetadvisor.net and the Contact Us form or in the comments section on the blog, and you can ask your question again, and we'll do our best to get that information to you. Okay, and Sherry, you had something you want to add.
2: I just wanted to ask whether or not you might have somebody who is uh, savvy, you know, computer savvy, uh, who might also be able to help you um, just walk your way through the media creation tool.
0: Yeah, a nephew or... Uh, or uh, a grandson, if you've got that. Or siblings, yeah. Or siblings or somebody like that. That would be somebody, matter of fact, who can sit down and help you walk through that. Mm -hmm. So uh, those are a number of different avenues. We've given you a lot of information. And uh, by the way, speaking of a lot of information, we have Cal Carson with us. Cal's out at a skating competition, but he overheard a question that was asked earlier about a printer, and he's got an answer. Hi, Cal. Hello, Cal, you with us again? Uh Uh-oh.
11: No, I'm here.
0: You're there. Okay, we got you back connected. Good. So you had an answer for us on that printer situation, right?
11: Yeah, I missed the actual model of the printer, but I did hear that it was an HP printer. Is that correct? It is HP eighty-seven hundred. Okay, if he uh, takes and goes to the HP website, hp.com, and goes under support and download printer drivers, HP on the newer printers, and I don't know how old that particular one is, but on the newer printers. They have something called Easy Start, and it is really, really good because mm. what it'll do is it'll walk his network and find his printer and link it all up automatically for him, Excellent. and it, it kind of hard codes the IP address into the, the Mac so it can find it every time unless the IP address changes. It'll, lock, it, it'll link it up with the right driver and the whole shoot and match. It really, really works good. And, Excellent. and what's
3: that called? Easy
0: Setup? Easy Start, right? Easy Start. Right, and it's under H- It's on the HP website. And Sherry, this is a fairly new critter, the eighty-seven hundred.
2: Eighty-seven, yeah. It's it's. I mean, it's been within the last five years, but okay, it's a really okay. good all-in-one printer.
0: All right, Cal. Thank you so much for your help.
11: Yeah, I I, I just happened to have a, a short break in the action, and I said, hey, let me just call in real quick and see if I can help out. But I will return
0: All right. next week. We look forward to you next week in the studio. Thanks so much, Cal. Now back Talk to, 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 to the later. back to the ice, uh, Cal. Uh, Cal. Carson, who is part of our team here. I'm so glad that he could call in and uh, help us with that. Andy is with us from Carleton. Andy, welcome to the Internet Advisor. How can we help you?
9: Um, I um, I have a building that I use for automotive repairs about 125 feet from my home. And um, I don't have um, any kind of hardwire type um, Internet service out to my building, but um. What I was interested in doing is trying to increase my internet signal from the house because what I need to do, in some cases, is update software on vehicle computers. Oh, yeah. And and it's critical. I have to use my laptop. I have to use another piece of equipment. And it's critical that I have a good signal.
6: Mm.
9: Um, And I'm not sure the best way that I can do that. My building's... Oh,
3: go ahead. How far? How far is it? The building? One hundred twenty-five foot. He said. One
9: hundred twenty-five feet okay. from my router.
3: Oh, okay. really? That's about the same distance as mine. Um, I-, I had two methods. I actually ran a Category five cable when I laid the electricity to it. I ran it with the the electrical wire when I buried the conduit to my shed, which is a hundred and forty foot away. But I've never used it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I-, I just don't. I don't. I need wireless network or network access in my shop, I, but I ran it just in case. Um there so you could bury a line um and that's connected to the router. Um, right.
9: And you say a cat category 5. Well,
3: they may, they make them now that are underground rated, so I but I don't know the 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 rating of those, you know, like Okay, I big.
9: actually have a tube with um I have a tube run between the um
3: Okay.
6: Um,
9: oh, house you do. So yeah, you can run a cable. And I actually have a string. Well,
0: yeah i have i have something i can pull it yeah yeah well that's why you can fish it through the line that
3: sounds great or you and what you have to do though is route that to your um you know into your router like i said and then into the house into the into the shed i I trying to remember the length of of uh, dot 10.t which is what he's going to be running the ethernet cable itself but uh, it should be you'd probably be at the end of it at 120 foot right there uh, that's part ah, of the maximum okay. light, and,
9: and I might be exaggerating a tiny bit on the. Um, that's on
3: the, okay. We we'll do that. So okay. I do that too. <laughs> yeah. But, but no. the other thing is, you could also buy a uh, repeater, um, wireless repeaters. Right. They do that. Um, and, and they also make uh, unidirectional antennas that you can, you can put on a repeater so that it aims at your. Oh. Um, your external Where, building right, right, right. so that your other devices will be able to wirelessly connect to it okay so they make those at best they're not cheap they're over 100 bucks i think
9: oh that now, doesn't that that's no problem yeah I, it's that's critical a <laughs> that I, i'm sorry i don't want to interrupt but it's critical that for instance when i'm trying to up update a module or whatever that i don't lose any kind of signal.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Right. Which is why I'm going to guess it may be best that, to, hardwire, sure. to hardwire it in there. Sherry, sure, what were you
3: going to say?
2: My only concern with Wi-Fi is just make sure that you have it uh, password protected you right. know, because you're, you're going to be broadcasting it at that point.
3: Okay. Very well, that's good true. point.
0: Very, very good point. Yep, exactly. But I think in particular with your case where you you can't risk having a signal interfered with down, you know, for some reason being degraded, then you probably,
3: the hard wiring is the, is the best uh, alternative. Yeah. And if you have friends in the construction business, I I tell you, I had some friends and when they're, when they're wiring buildings, anything, any spool that's, that's less than 200 foot, they just throw out and recycle. My brother's an electrician, especially when they do networking to cubicles and offices. Because remember, the DMARC uh, is on the floor at a central location. And when they're wiring to these cubicles, these spools are thousands of foot long. So by the time they're done with them, if if they only have 200 foot left, ah, I'm... They're going to get rid of that and recycle it for the copper Very because it's not going to make it to the cubes runs. And, and you know, when they're pulling them, they're not, they don't want it to run out. So if you have a friend in the construction business that can just give you that little 200-foot section <laughs> of school, that's how I got my shed wired. You know, I had a friend in the business, my brother's an electrician.
0: It's not the old you have us you, you have an uncle you have the an uncle in the f- furniture business. <laughs> <laughs> Joshua Madar, Joshua Mador. Ah, he's gone, long gone. <laughs> okay, I hope that helped you. <laughs> it does. Thank you very <laughs> much right. for your help. You're welcome. Take care. <laughs> I love that. I remember that old commercial. You have an uncle in the in the furniture yeah. business. Joshua Mador, Joshua Mador. Okay, we got Harold from Toledo who's hanging on. We're about to go to a break, so I want to wait for just a minute um, and remind you again that we'll have time for Harold and maybe one other person, so if you want to race your call in here, 800-859-0957 is the number. Ed Rudell and Sherry Cam, along with Foster Brown here in studio, just waiting, itching for the opportunity to answer your question. 800-859-0957. I want to once more thank... Eric Dorch for the work that he's done this afternoon as our engineer, and also training Danielle Mason, who's going to be part of our program here, helping with uh, the engineering as well. Thanks so much for handling not just the engineering, but also juggling the calls here. Delighted that you could help, and uh, we have time for a couple more calls, and here they are, they're coming in. And let's say hello to Harold from Toledo. Hello, Harold, how are you doing?
12: I'm doing very good. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, how can we I've help you? A, I have a problem with an Excel uh, spreadsheet when, uh, you know, the tabs across the top, one says file, one says home page yeah. layout, so on and so yeah. forth. Mine always defaults back to the file tab. In other words, I've got a spreadsheet up and let's say I've got a particular cell mm-hmm. that I want to uh, right. make the numbers in there bold and I want to add color to it. Mm-hmm. I'll click on the cell and then I have to go up and click on the home tab. That's got all the icons for this stuff. Yes, yes I'll it click does. on the bold. The bold icon, for example, it will bolden the letters in the cell, and then it'll jump over to the file tab.
3: Oh, that's got to be frustrating. Oh. Yeah, and uh,
12: if I if I want to yellow so the the same cell or a different cell, same thing. I click on the cell. I have to go up and hit the home tab. As soon as I do that, I can go over and I can color the cell. And as soon as I make that change, it jumps to the file tab again. So do you know any way I can change this thing so it the default is the last one that I've used?
3: You know, I do not. So what? it sounds like this is a, something's broken. Sherry Something. sure, is asking a question here. What device are you on, by the way?
0: What, are you uh, on a laptop? A talking, on a, talking to you, you mean? No, no. no. On the, uh, are on, you on
3: a laptop or a desktop or a tablet?
0: No, it's a desktop.
3: Okay, it's a desktop it's when this happens. Okay. Hewlett-Packard, yeah. It, I mean, it really sounds... Something's broken within Excel, mm. and I'm not sure how to fix it, but... Um, what
12: should I do? Just reload it?
3: It you, might be... You, you could go to, into a repair, so... There you go, right. If you go into Program Files and Features, or Program Files and Features, and then you select the Microsoft Office, usually it gives you the ability to uh, repair... Right. ...the Microsoft Office. I don't know if it's going to fix this issue, but it might. Um, what version of Microsoft Office were you running?
12: Um seven
3: seven so it'd be what um office 2015 office 2012 Do you know what? Uh,
12: office 10 okay 2010
3: oh 2010 so i think 2010 yeah. and 2013 version had the ability had a diagnostic tab so when you go into start all programs uh, and then you look under microsoft office there was a, a uh, microsoft office tools and one of and um the office tools allowed you the ability, the ability to select the uh, repair. So just go in there and select um, okay, I believe so I, so I
12: hit I'm sorry, go ahead.
3: I, I believe it was that those versions, but if not, then you can go into the control panel under programs and Features and select Microsoft Office, and then you have the ability to select repair as well.
0: Am I or, sure, you had
3: a question.
2: Well, and if that doesn't fix it, you can certainly go to Microsoft because they do have help on their website, although uh you'll have to go to some of the archives because it's two thousand and ten um, but they may have had some some mm-hmm. customers who have the same problem
3: right and okay. and I'm thinking and also go to our website and then select the contact us button and that way okay. i could I could be in front of a computer, I can even mail some of my Microsoft support people and mm. and see if they know of a quick fix excellent, okay. okay
12: this is internet Advisor Online. No it's, internet,
0: dot no, it's InternetAdvisor.net. And then when, oh, okay. you, when you get to us online, then you simply go up to the Contact Us button, and you can ask okay. a question that way. Send us an email.
12: Excellent. All right? Excellent. All Thank right. you very much.
0: Thank you very much for giving us a call. Let's uh, see if we can wrap things up with Judy. From Franklin, Judy, how are you doing? Welcome to the Internet Advisor. We got a little bit of time here at the end. How can we help you?
1: Did you say you just have a little bit of time?
0: Yes. Okay,
1: I got to give you the short version of this, warrant.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, because of you guys, I learned about system restore, and oh, good. what I ended up doing was, or the problem is, I can't get auto scans to work on this Vista 7 um, operating system. It, they just quit. So I went and did a uh, let's see. How did I... I think that was the first thing I did. I did a, uh, I checked all the settings, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure it was supposed... You know, everything was on to do the auto scans.
3: hmm
1: Okay. And then... I'm sorry. That, when you say
3: auto scans, you say auto scans, what, what are you talking about? Windows, anim-
1: you know, has the Defender thing built into okay, this.
3: Automatic, yeah, oh, the oh, oh, okay. Automatic Defender scans. Got you. Okay. okay. Okay.
1: All right. So, everything was on. Everything should be working, but nothing ever was. And I looked at the last time it happened um you know that it was automatic and it had been a a few months ago and i thought so that was my restore point i went before that and then or actually maybe went to write that date to that exact date okay so did the restore asked it to do a um you know a full scan Hmm. and when it would do this by the way try to do it i came back like before the restore my computer wouldn't work like internet done it wouldn't work. Oh, Every, it was, like, unbelievable what wouldn't work. With the restore, everything was back to working.
0: Okay, okay.
1: So then I decided, okay, so we got a, some kind of an issue because when well, I try to do the auto scan, mm. it still, it breaks the, you know, it me- me- well, messes the... Well, pro- Judy,
0: one of the problems is, I think, and this is, you're working with Vista.
1: It's what? No, actually, I figured out what the problem is, oh, I think. I would right. like to hear what you...
0: All right, no, 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 tell us what your solution what was. What you might
1: say to this. So when I got the system back up yes it um if i did a before one time before it was like i could tell it was caught in the loop i got the internet to work and everything else would work but it was so low and so what I found out I happened to look at task manager and in the yes. background there was something it was actually the scan was still running.
6: Ah, okay. And
1: so then I went and found out what was what it was what was the issue like mm-hmm. like what was it getting stuck on and it, I had there was a code it was DL something 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 four digit code I looked that up on the internet and then found out that that had to do with my laptop is a Dell and it was called the code belonged to Dell it wants to do updates to the uh, okay. laptop, and it can't. Judy,
0: we, we are running... The short version is running yeah. us right down that, to the wire.
1: That was it. That was it. <laughs> that was it. It's, okay. the, it's the updates to the laptop. It can't do, yes. and that's what's running in the background. So I figure yes. it needs to be updated. Uh, that's, that's but
0: it's it working for you now, right, Judy?
1: No, I no. Yeah, if I did it again, I think it can't... The updates can't get in because the laptop yeah. is... Needing
0: upgrades. Right, exactly. It needs a lot of upgrades. So uh, okay. here's what we're going to suggest, Judy. I- if you've got further questions, go to the contact us button on the Internet Advisor site, okay? Internetadvisor.net. Internetadvisor.net, and we'll we'll attempt to work with there. But the bottom line is you're running Vista
3: on an older computer. Yeah, and, and you're not going to be able to install any modern operating system on there, right. except maybe Linux or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's time for a change. Jude yeah. de Jude de, Jude. It's time for a it's change. It's time for an upgrade. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's time for an upgrade. I know I've I've had the same problem of holding on as long as you can to it, but there's some very good deals out there right now. If you can put your money aside for between about 300 to $400, you can get yourself a very good laptop that will just run marvelously and run like a deer. Thank you so much, all of you, for being here. Sherry, thank you so much for coming in. Sherry Kim. And Ed Rudell. good as always, having you with us. Always great to be here. This next week, Cal Carson's back with us. I think it'd be Gary Baker may be back from the Caribbean. I can't wait. Is sun, tan? Tan? Is sun, sun tan? Sun tan? He, uh, better, hide he tan. better hide that tan. He better hide that tan. Thanks again to Eric Dorsch and to Danielle Mason for being our engineers and our screeners as well. It's been a great weekend here on the Internet Advisor. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget, you can get hold of us anytime during the week with your question at InternetAdvisor.net. Look for us online at internetadvisor.net. You've been listening to the Internet Advisor Show, Detroit's longest-running, locally-produced computer show, with Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and our team of experts. For more information about our weekly show, to ask a question of our experts, or find the show notes for this podcast, visit internetadvisor.net. And look for us on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to check the other great podcasts available on this podcastdetroit.com network. Thank you for listening.